Hi, I'm Abigail. And I'm Dabney. Welcome, Welcome to, to You vs. You, a space where we give permission to talk openly about things no one talks about. And everything we wish we would have known when we were younger that we know now. The only thing we know for sure is that we don't know it all. Hey guys, welcome back to You vs. You. Um, today, I'm going to be interviewing Davini about day in the life of being a mortgage lender. So, with that being said, Davini, take me through a typical day in your life, starting from your morning all the way to when you go to bed. Okay, perfect. So, when I wake up, I... Let me preface. I've only been doing this for about two weeks, but it's really working, so I want to continue to do it. But I have been going to the gym in the morning, so I wake up, and I feed my daughter, and then she goes back to bed, and... Okay, to interject. Dabney just had a baby. Yes. About how... Two months? Three. She's three three months months now. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. So she has a three-month-old baby. So, that is important to Yeah, yeah. Okay. And she's finally to the point where she's, like, almost sleeping through the night, okay. but she'll still wake up at, like, 3.45 or 4 a.m., like, yeah. mid-morning. Yeah. Not mid-morning, early morning <laughs> before I go to the gym. So, um, I wake up and I feed her, and then I put her back to bed and get ready, and I go to the gym. And that's just been really nice, a good way to start my day. Yeah. And then... What time is that? Um, I try to get out of there by, like, 5.30. It really depends on when okay. she goes back to bed. Because sometimes she's like, oh, I'm ready to party. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I put her back to bed. I get to the gym about 5.30, and I try to be home by 6.45 at the latest. Okay. Um, When I'm at the gym, I like to do strength training. I like to lift, and then I try to get a little bit of steps in, a little Mm -hmm. bit of walking. And then I get home, and I make my coffee and my breakfast, and I try to read a little bit. Uh, That just kind of sets up my morning like a good slow morning Mm -hmm. before I jump right into the work. So I try to read, and then I clock in at 8 o'clock, and I start working. Okay. And in this time, too, like in your morning, is Ella, when does Ella then, like, officially wake up? And is your husband, like, where does he step in? Yeah, so she wakes up about 7.45 or 8, okay. and he doesn't go to work until 9.30. So he wakes up, and Got he it. does the feeding with her and kind of plays with her and stuff until about 9.30 when okay. he leaves. So I hop on when I'm working. Like, one of the first things I like to do is go through my email. Uh, I'm a little bit OCD about my email. I like mm-hmm. everything to be organized. Yeah. So I go through all my emails, answer anything I need to answer that came through the night before, and just make sure I'm organized and kind of make my task list for the day. Okay. So as I'm going through my emails, I write down, like, prioritizing things that I need to do okay. for the day. And uh, at that point, then I kind of jump into that. And the things I do in a typical day are um, as a mortgage lender you know we're working contracts a majority of the day so any contracts that we've gotten I hop in and I like to get those done in the morning that way you know if you're a buyer who's buying a home and your contract comes in I try to get it done as soon as possible got it because you're excited you want your documents you want to get things rolling like a purchase contract exactly got it. yep okay. yep so uh, I can do that as fast as I can in the morning and get those documents out and that way you know the purchaser of the home also has the majority of the day to review the documents, okay. get us things that we need, and have time to sign them as Got well. It. Okay. Uh, so I do that in the mornings, and uh, then from that point, 
at our company we're really big on communication so as I'm going through the contract we always reach out to the buyers of the home and just tell them where we're at with things if we okay. need anything else from them how things are going uh, the next steps in the process and then we also reach out to the buying agent and the listing agent and let them know also where we're at in the process nice. the timeline of things and um, where we're going to go from there forward to just kind of lay it all out at the beginning got it and then from that point um, i kind of just step next into um, a little bit of marketing so i've been working on uh, like email marketing and marketing like my seo on google mm -hmm. to try to you know boost my my ranking oh, sure. on google uh -huh. so when you search like mortgage lender in cheyenne my name will pop up got it or even just in wyoming in general so I, well, I've been working on that and then um, working on strategizing other ways to market mortgages and put out education. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big thing I've really been working on is I, when I'm marketing, I don't want to be asking people for business, you know, right. because I feel like in, in mortgage lending and even real estate, it's like people need us. Mm -hmm. And I've been, really been working on putting out the educational piece so that way a buyer of a home will come to me knowing that they can use my services because I educated them so well. Right. So that's been a big piece that I've been focusing on is putting out mortgage education. And I think that's super important. A lot of people don't know a lot about buying a home yeah. and, you know, the little caveats that go along with it. So just putting more education out there has been huge mm -hmm. and that's something I'm going to continue to work on mm -hmm. probably every day. And so what time is it like, so you get to the, you clock in at eight and then how long do you think, and I know probably every day is different, Yeah. but how long do you like get stuff to like, do you send stuff then to underwriters and right. stuff like that? And then you're working on if you have any contracts to get stuff done with that. And then how long does that typically take you? Right. So I typically work on the new contracts in the morning. And that, those are the ones that I start from the beginning. And um, I do everything on the front end of the contract is what we call it. And I probably get done with all of my new stuff that comes in by 11 or noon. Okay. And then I do take a lunch. So then I'll take okay. a little break. I'll take a lunch. And in the afternoons is when I'll hop into our existing contracts, okay. which is with in mortgages we have a big team so it goes from the loan officer and the loan officer assistant to the processor and then the processor submits it to the underwriter got it see i'd never know the train of right yeah yeah so there's a lot of people involved um and that's a good thing because the more people looking at your file right the more that we can catch and build a really good file for the investors right so the underwriter is the one with the ultimate decision of your file is approved, the investor is going to buy this loan, and here is all the things that we're going to need to finish up your package and ship it off to the investor. Got it. So once the underwriter comes back to us, that then we get to work again on, hey, buyer, we need another copy of your bank statement. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go back to the buyers and back to the realtor sometimes and just get anything else we need to pack, wrap it up and package up a good loan package Got so it. that way the more you're, the more you get and the more thorough you are the less you need on the end right. of things um, so that's a big thing we try to do at American Pacific is we really try to get everything we can up front and that's we like doing that and it's really 
I think our borrowers really appreciate it. Yeah. Because then you're not chasing your tail at the end when you're three days from closing. That's right. Trying to get more documents and. That's a good point. I just really, just I mean it stuffs up the timeline. Right. For sure. That's a good point. And I have closed. Did we have we done one or mm-hmm. two? One I, before yeah, I was out and leave. And it was the easiest transaction. I didn't even like. We hit closing day, and I was like, I haven't even talked to Davin <laughs> yeah. the whole time, and everything went really smooth. Um, but okay, so then after your lunch break in the afternoon, then you do some marketing stuff, mm-hmm. and then you're also at home with Ella, right? Yes. So, yep. so that's just temporary. Um, so temporarily, we're working remote right now, so I'm able to take care of my daughter at the moment and work. Um, but since she's only three months, she's still taking a lot of naps, yeah. which is really nice. So when she gets up to eat I'll literally hold her in one hand and I'm typing yeah <laughs> with one hand yeah so I've gotten really good at typing with one hand um but yeah so I feed her and then she she's napping she's only awake for like an hour and a half mm. and then she'll nap for like an hour an hour and yeah. a half so then I'll let her play and I have a cute little play mat thing that she loves mm-hmm. and then I'll pick her up and put her back down for a nap so it's kind of a little cycle nice. with her and that just jives really well with what I have to do um, work-wise. Yeah. So I just, you know, if I'm in the middle of something, obviously, when a baby's hungry, they're hungry. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. I'll feed her and then go through that little routine and then Got go it. back to work. Easy. Yeah. Um, and then what does your evening look like? Um, so kind of different every night. Um, I've been, We've been trying to go on walks in the evening, mm-hmm. depending on the weather, obviously, around here. Because uh, sometimes it's been really hot, and I don't like to take Ella if it's super oh, hot. sure. She yeah. does not like being warm. She's a baby yep. who does not like being warm. Same with Brooks, yeah. Yeah, so um, if it's too hot, then we kind of just chill at home. I make dinner, and um, sure, her bath time is at 8. So I feel yeah. like the time between 5 and 8 goes by so it does. fast. Uh, so, yeah, we just kind of make dinner and hang out. I try to spend that quality time with Ella and with my husband and... Just sometimes I'll read and just hang out with my dogs. Yeah. And just chill. And I, when I get off of a work day, I don't like to do a ton. Yeah. I like to just kind of hang fair. out. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then you guys go to bed like around nine or something. Yeah. So I'm still breastfeeding and I'm exclusively pumping. So I will pump at nine. Got and, it. Okay. Um, then I get done. I pump for 30 minutes. So then I'm done at 9:30. And mm-hmm. so then I go to bed at 9:30. So I can Got get it. up for the gym. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Starting all over. Yep. Okay. Do so that's kind of like a day in your life. Um. So my question for you next is, so how long have you been in the mortgage industry now? So I have been in the industry for three years, and I've been licensed for two. Got it. Okay. So you kind of have like, you're learning as. No, uh, absolutely. like with anything. Yep. Um, but when you first got started, or even now, since we're still relatively both of us in the real estate industry, mm-hmm. um, how do you procure more business? Right. Like, what do you do? I know a lot of new agents, like cold call agents, and mm-hmm. work that sphere. What do you personally do to get business? Right. And what did you do at the beginning? Right. So what I like to do is um, I. 
I love having the relationships with the realtors that I do know, um, but I like authentic relationships. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing for me. I am not one to just pick up the phone and call some random person that I don't know and mm. ask them if I can go sell something to right. them. That's just not me, and I don't feel like super confident and comfortable doing that. I want to authentically meet you yeah. and um, bring something to you that you could also benefit from. Um, so, I mean, just like us, for example, we met just at an office meeting and mm-hmm. we didn't even meet talking about work. We um, bonded over our husky. Yeah. <laughs> We're both big dog people. So. Yes. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point to bring it up, to bring up is you have to build relationships off of organic interest. Right. It is, you can smell it off someone when they're trying to force stuff. Exactly. So I was wondering how you... When you were first new in the game, how did you get business? Right, I know. And when you didn't know anybody. Right, and something that I did is, since I've lived in Cheyenne, you know, I know a few people who are in real mm-hmm. estate, so then I would reach out to the people that I knew and that I've already had some sort of relationship with or my paths have already crossed with them at mm-hmm. some point or like a real estate agent who was like a friend of a friend, sure. like who knew somebody that I knew. Um, so that's kind of how I got started, and then um, really marketing on online. I've had quite mm-hmm. a few deals um, just from people that I've been able to reach out to, like on Facebook, who are post that they're moving, mm-hmm. or um, like I said, boosting my rank on Google. I've gotten a few calls from people who've just been able to mm-hmm. find me. Um, so. And by that, I think a huge thing for really anybody who has a business is leaving reviews. So if you do something with somebody, if you use their services and you really like them, like leave a positive mm, review. I never leave reviews. Right. And I should. <laughs> yeah. It does help. And I honestly, I never did until I started in this industry. It's true. Because yeah. it does help. And then people online can see like, wow, they got five stars. That's right. It it makes you more trustworthy too. Right, exactly. It does help. I should do that for people actually. Right, right. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got started and then just, I'm always just looking as I see, because a lot of people do post like, hey, I'm moving, I need some advice. Mm-hmm. And I'll just like that's message true. them like, hey, I noticed that you're moving. If you need any help, like just let me know. That's true. You know, and I never try to be too pushy because like I said, the way I, the way I want to run my business and the way that I want I want people to be able to come to me and say like I need your help. Mm-hmm. I never want to have to go to them and beg for their business. Yeah, that's a good point. You want to feel like helpful right. and needed. Right. And the biggest thing for me like I mentioned is education. Like at the end of the day, even if you're just coming to me to ask a general question but you don't end up using me as a lender, that's okay because yeah. I want you to be able to know you can come to me for advice. Right. And that's a huge rub I will say in my industry with realtors is I like to call my friends that are lenders and ask them questions that my clients ask me. Right. And I found that with a couple of lenders, they actually get like kind of weird because they're that my clients might not use them mm-hmm. for a loan and it tarnishes that relationship. Right. And But in my head, I'm like, dude, I'm just reaching out to you because mm-hmm. you are knowledgeable. I don't know the answer to this. And it's, at the end of the day, it's the buyer's choice. Exactly. And I don't want to feel, make them feel pressure. Right. So that's a good, you are, you are really good at that. Thank you. Uh, and I think pressure. that's, that's a huge thing in our industry. And as you know, too, is like, when we've talked about this on a separate episode, is just being too salesy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, and it's like, I feel like when you are in a sales position or a sales job, when you are so pushy, it really just pushes people away. It does not bring them in. It does. And that's just a huge thing. It's like, I never want to put that out there and I never want to make somebody feel that way. Right. Exactly. I want to be authentic and I just want to be me and I just want to help people. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's a, that's a very good way, very organic way to grow your business. Yeah. Um, so with that all being said, right now, where do you, like, for anyone that is listening, maybe that is curious about lenders or thinking about getting into the industry, like, how many transactions or deals do you close a month? How many would you like to close a month? What is a good number to close a month? Like, I never know. Like, right. for real estate, for example, I would be happy closing... My goal is two a month for, mm-hmm. like, a whole year consistently, so yeah. 24 transactions. That's, like, high volume, right. too. Um I'm happy at one deal a month right now, but what is a typical, how many closings would you say is, feels good for you? Right. So me personally, I don't have an assistant. Um, so as a loan officer, you have the choice to use a loan officer assistant. Oh, okay. And um, so I don't have one yet because I'm just too early and I just don't feel that I need sure. one at this time. Um, so... When I'm doing it on my own, comfortably, like, three to four a month. Okay. Um, even two to three okay. would be good for me. Um, two to three closings in that month. And um, But for the people who utilize an assistant, and um, which I also work for other loan officers right. as an assistant, so I would say anywhere from, like, four... Four at the minimum to mm-hmm. even up to like seven wow. would be comfortable. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, when you have an assistant and you have a team, you have such a flow right. that it's so seamless right. that it's like point A, B, C, D, boom, we're done. Right. For the most part, and it, it just goes. And it frees you up to go get more business. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, as I continue to grow, I will eventually get an assistant. Mm-hmm. And that, like you said, that will free up my time because in this industry, time is so valuable. That's right. And your time is your money. <laughs> so, um, I will eventually get an assistant and hopefully grow a little bit more okay. because of that. Okay, so you'd like to stay around, like, right now, or would you say you're, like, two a month? Yeah, was, yeah. before I left for maternity leave, it was, like, two to three. Right, so two, okay. Yeah. Because I never know how busy lenders are, right. what constitutes as busy. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a totally, um, totally different wheelhouse than real estate, in my opinion. And it's so funny, because we work hand in hand, mm-hmm. right? But it's, like, we don't know what each other do, no, you know, day know. to day. I never so know different. what a lender does. Um and I always tell people too, and I think sometimes, and I don't know how you feel about this, mm-hmm. so my next question to you is, how do you feel about realtors that try to, like if you picture a Venn diagram, like that middle part where they kind of like segue into each other right. or blend, um, realtors that try to wear both hats, mm-hmm. how do lenders feel about that? Because anytime a client asks me a lender question, I don't even answer mm-hmm. it, even if I know the answer right we'll just revert them back to their lender right what's your vibe though on people that try to play lender right um i really like how you do that and i really appreciate the real estate agent who will say go talk to your lender okay and we get questions too a lot of times like about the house and i'll always say hey i think that's a question for your agent yeah um so it works both ways for sure but i think it's really important to stay in your own lane 
And the reason I say that is because as a lender, we have a lot of rules and guidelines that we yeah. have to follow. Um, so when you're trying to give advice, you could be breaking a guideline that you didn't even know existed. Yeah, exactly. I never know. I break yeah. enough rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, as lenders, we work really hard to get our licenses, and we have to maintain our licenses, yeah. and we have to take. I mean, yearly training to um, keep up on the new guidelines. Right. So that's something that we follow, and that's why, you know, we're the experts, and definitely we have to keep up with the changing times mm -hmm. and the changing guidelines. So we try really hard to give the best advice based on our knowledge, and a lot of times real estate agents just don't have that same advice because they're not in the industry. Right. That makes sense. So that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and what would you say, like, with lending, because um, I feel like people, because you're dealing with money and numbers, mm -hmm. I would assume, <laughs> um, <laughs> do you, like, is it boring, is it exciting, like, to me it sounds boring right. to be dealing with numbers and right. stuff, but also that, like, I don't want to do lending, mm -hmm. that's why I'm not a lender, right. but, and I'm sure people could say the same thing about real estate, yeah. like, what are people, that yeah. sounds so boring and awful, <laughs> um, which... It is. Sometimes. Yeah. But anyways, I what like is your vibe with like originating loans right. and writing loans mm -hmm. and all of that? No, it's so funny you say that because in high school, like I hated math. I that was my worst class. Same. I just did not like it, and I was never super good at it. Yeah. Um. So it's really funny that I found myself in this career that I got pulled into it kind of uh, by choice, uh, and I really love it and I think the way that I think about lending and the way that I think about the whole I mean transaction as a mm -hmm. whole is it's like to me it's like a puzzle and as a lender it's our job to make everything fit together mm -hmm. to be the perfect picture at the end mm -hmm. and I mean that's just that's what's really fun about it and I love working with people who never thought they could buy a house yeah or you know giving people hope when so many people have turned them down, you know, because yeah. maybe their credit needs a little bit of work or maybe they're a single mom and they're really struggling. Right. Um, so to be able to help them with their dream of home, home ownership and just yeah. piece everything together and work with them through all their problems. When my, when borrowers come to me, it's like, I think of like me and the borrower, we're a team. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not them, it's not me. We work together to make this right. happen. And we work together to get you into that house. So that's just my favorite thing is piecing everything together and jumping through hoops and making things happen when it seems nearly impossible right. um, to get them into that house. And at the end of the day, when you're sitting at the closing table and they're so happy, you know, you feel like you really won that day. Yeah, it's a good feeling. <laughs> it it is. Really is. It's totally life-changing. Um, so to kind of go back to your mortgage company. So you're with American Pacific Mortgage. Right. AKA APM, y'all. Um, <laughs> what would you say is different, sets you apart from other? There's so, just like with real estate agents, mm -hmm. there are so many lenders. And what sets your company apart? Right. In your opinion. Right. No, I'm, one thing with that we always like to say is like we're local. Like we're real people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times... Uh, when people are going to get a mortgage, they'll apply online with somebody that they never get to meet. They never like get a to... rocket mortgage or exactly. Okay. Yep, exactly. Or like a big like U.S. bank rocket oh, mortgage sure. is a huge okay. one. Um, 
and we like to call them like the robots of lending yeah because you never get to talk to like a real person you have to call into like the 800 hotlines and yeah you know i think something that makes us really unique is uh, you can reach us 24 7 you know we text Mm -hmm. you on our cell phones you can call us on our personal phones and a lot of times we're always available um, but my team at American Pacific is, we're, we're all just really authentic and honest. And I think that's really hard to find in mm. mortgage lending a lot of the time because, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's trying to help you get into a home, but at the same time, like that home is their paycheck. Right. Um, so yeah. we like to put our borrowers above all else and, and just be our authentic original selves. And yeah. we like to build true relationships and, offer education and offer advice, you know, even if nothing comes out of it. And how many people are, how many lenders do you have? Um, as of right now, we have one, two, three, four, five, including okay, me. Okay, so small. So yeah. smaller. Yep. Well, I, I don't know how, what a normal size right. <laughs> a mortgage company is. And is American Pacific Mortgage, is it based out of Cheyenne? Is it like locally established or founded right no it's actually um the company is based and ran out of california okay um, but there's a branch in uh fort collins that we're like umbrellaed under got it so okay. uh, we are our own cheyenne branch um but we have i mean in every single state you'll find an america Pacific okay mortgage. and where are your underwriters um so we have different underwriting teams okay. um but most of ours come out of denver region okay got it one cool thing too is with american pacific uh like i said we have locations everywhere. So if somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, Deb, I want to buy a house in Idaho. I'm like, oh, God, oh yeah. sorry, like I'm not licensed there, but I can refer you to somebody in my company who is. Got it. So you still get to stay with our company. And if you had already like submitted an application with them, I can just send them over nice. your stuff. You don't have to do all that again. And then you can just pick up nice. right where you left off. Do you off, get a referral so. fee for You that? do, there yeah. You go. That's the move. <laughs> right? Awesome. Um, yeah, I had never heard of American Pacific Memorial. How long has this branch been in Cheyenne now? Um, about a year. Yeah, so yeah. it's new, yep. relatively speaking. Um, so, yeah, no, I have always wondered one time I was like, I, w- I think I was out showing property, and I said, I was like, what do lenders do? Right. Maybe I was with a lender. I can't remember. But it dawned on me because we're out like, realtors are showing property then we go back to our home base whether it's an office or home and then we're writing contracts then we're back at houses for inspections meeting blah 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 but you guys are you like you're mainly at your office Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i mean i'm really at the office like eight to five yeah like we're like kind of the man behind the scenes yep exactly so well moving forward then what is your other than like making content videos put on your social media or email blasts what else would you like to do to get more business this year, next year? What's right. your kind of game plan now that you're back right. off uh, maternity? And I think, like, when you're newer in the business, it's just getting people to realize what you do. Yeah. You know, so that's something I've been trying to be better about is, like, telling people, like, hey, I'm a mortgage lender. If you ever need anything, just right. let me know. You right. know, we're just kind of, like, talking to them about it. Like, what do you do? This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Just putting it out there because people don't know what they don't know. Like, That's right. I bet a lot of people in my life don't actually know that I do mortgages. It's true. You know? I remember when I first got my license, I watched a ton of, like, have you ever heard of, like, Tom Ferry mm-hmm. and stuff? They're real estate coaches. And I remember he was like, you can't be a secret agent. And I was like, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I remember feeling, like, insecure telling people I was a realtor. Right. And then I realized 
then I will never get this. Right. And it's hard it to put true. yourself out it there. But I mean, if they don't know you're a realtor, they don't know. That's exactly right. Know? So no, that's a very good point. But yeah, so. just education and making people aware and um, giving people the option to come to me for advice. Yeah. Really. Yep. No, you're very good at that. I will Thank say you. you're very like, whenever I have a question now that you're back, I'm like, oh, I'll just call Davini because I know there's no pressure. Right. I've had, I've actually lost relationships with other lenders because there was so much pressure Mm -hmm. and anyways so right and I I just sometimes I just think it really takes the fun out of our job totally you know and I like I said it's important to me to have the relationship and it's important to me for you know you can utilize me for things but I also get to utilize Mm -hmm. you for things and it goes both ways yeah Uh, so I think that's really important as a lender is realizing you know your services aren't just to impact you right you know yeah, that's very true. You're building a dream for someone in, right. a, in a way. So, yeah. Well, I can't think of anything else. Is there anything else you'd like to say about your industry or your day-to-day or like anything? Yeah, I just say, you know, definitely like if you have, if you want education about anything, follow my social media. I'm definitely putting more stuff out there just in general, mortgage education Uh, But educate yourself, especially if you ever want to go buy a house, just start looking at, you know, things that you can do, ways to set yourself up and just set yourself up for the bigger picture. You know, if you ever want to buy a house, now's the time to start putting things in place to do that. 100%. Don't hold yourself back by thinking, oh, I can never buy a house or maybe one day I will, Mm -hmm. but I don't know, just not right now. I wish I would have, that's a really good point, I wish I would have talked to a lender like a year before right. I even, I didn't even know I had to talk to a mm-hmm. lender when I bought my house. Yeah. So, um, that is really a good point. Yes. Is even if you're not even like thinking about buying a house, just go talk. It doesn't right. hurt your credit. It doesn't hurt anything to go right. talk to a lender. Right. So. And the cool thing is most lenders, you know, we offer like, if you're, if you're like, I want to buy a house, but my credit is so bad. We offer just like in general credit advice, things that you can do to help you buy a house. For free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, in a year, in two years, whatever your goal is, like we will work with you over the course of that year or two 100%. to get you into that home. And it is so helpful, you guys. I have, I manage a rental right now and the tenants that are in it, they pay almost $2,000 a month and the place is a dump and if they and their credit is mm-hmm. trash and so if they would have talked to somebody previously right. they would probably be in a um better situation better situation so <laughs> well that's all i have for you yeah so, thank you of for kind of opening up about that and then we'll talk to you guys next week about something else good yeah so i end up losing about fifty thousand on that property and um that's kind of where I like came. I was, I was at basic and then I was at uh, tech school trying to like flip this property. And I, those are like some of the points in my life. Like I wish I would have known what I know now. Cause it could have been a completely different story of like knowing I could have financed that property. Um, and knowing that there was a different way out instead of taking a 50 K loss on it. Right. So obviously like investing is a big risk. Did you ever feel like you were getting into something that risky or did you just know that was something that you wanted to do? I mean, I think everything is a risk. It's, it's all becomes a calculated risk. Uh, I obviously, you know, I was like 19 or 20. I thought I knew everything. Right. Like when we're all 19 and 20, we think we know everything. Like we think that, you know, we don't do anything wrong. So like that's the, that's where I was at. 
at that moment and every year like I get older like I look back and I realize like okay I made a mistake that year I made a mistake this year um so I knew it was a risk but I also knew that I just figured out I was kind of like the type that like I could always get myself out of a situation like when we were in high school like I never really even got caught like partying and stuff like that because I always found a way so I always right. figured if I could find a way out of getting in trouble with the law I could probably find a way you know with investing in real estate and stuff like that right. which they're not really comparable but. yeah so how many rentals and investments do you have right now so i have uh 12 units right now um 11 the 11 of them um are, are mine and then i go ahead and manage one other one right that's awesome so you said that there's mistakes that you've made in your real estate career that you wish you wouldn't have or that you've learned from what are like the biggest things you've learned from then that has shaped how you're investing in managing properties now I think it just really the ease like the easiest and the brightest one for me is just like going to the bank and asking them for money. Yeah. Cause like I was 19 and I was like, oh shoot, I don't have 20% down. Oh shoot, I haven't been at this job for two years. I I haven't done this, I haven't done this, and all that. But like, all those have been debunked now. Like mm-hmm. you don't need 20% down to buy a house. You don't need to be at a, a job for two years. You don't need this. You don't need that. Like just go to the bank and like, I mean they'll That's lend true. you if the money if you know, if it makes dollars, it's gonna make sense. Like. And that's, that's what I know now is that, you know, I don't think I, um, it's been very few times since I've started buying real estate that I've actually been denied on, um, asking for money. They're pretty reasonable stuff. Yeah. I've never even like thought until I bought my house. I didn't even know I needed to talk like what a lender was until Mm -hmm. I bought my house three years ago. But that is such a good point. Like when you're younger, I never even like thought of going to a bank to asking for money and I think it was because I was always taught debt is bad which is such bullshit that we're taught that but Mm -hmm. that was also on my parents too but I'm like if I could have learned how to make my capital work for me so much like years ago that would have been such an advantage but not a lot of people know you can literally just go into a bank and ask for money yeah I mean like Mm -hmm. obviously make sure taxes are intact and that's that's a big thing was like you have to pay to play um a lot of people they'll be like i'm gonna write this off and i'll write this off and i'll write Mm -hmm. this off i just had this conversation yesterday like you know making sure you write off your gas and stuff like that i'm like i don't want to i don't want to be writing off all this stuff because i need to show because i did that my very Mm -hmm. first year and that's where it kind of you know kind of screwed me up a little bit was i took some big losses Mm -hmm. like thousand dollar losses just because i don't want to pay taxes but you have to pay to play and like Mm -hmm. obviously uncle sam he's gonna want his cut and so it's a game yeah it's a big game learn how to play the game and yeah there's no way around it for sure so learn how to you can't beat them join them yeah Yeah, exactly okay so with your real estate investments and everything so you kind of like roll one into the next and like that's what i'm kind of hearing is you just kind of like learned how to take either equity or like your proceeds and dump it into a next one and you've just kind of grown your portfolio and how does that all fit in with your military career then um, so after I came back, uh, from basic and tech school and I took that pretty hard loss and that flip, I was like, I'm done with real estate. Like I'm not doing this anymore. And then I just kind of got to thinking, I'm like, you know, I took the flipping route. Why don't we just do like the rental way? Why don't we just start all, start completely over. So a little bit of cash I had, cause I ended up making money on the, um, on the first home that I, that, you know, that first flip I did, I ended up making some decent money on that. So I went and bought my first uh, primary home. And I just started working full time with the military. It's worked out great because like any lender that sees like, okay, he's you know, he's gonna act to do a paycheck, like they're like that's golden mm-hmm. for them. Yep. So I just I've been using my military career to help fund it. Um and so I bought that first one 
and then with like zero to like no money down it was like two or three percent down i think it was Mm -hmm. uh, which was really nice because um at the time that was a lot of money for me and then i went went ahead and used that money from the flip to buy my duplex and that's just how the ball just started getting going and i just use my military career now as like my w-2 Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been, my business has been in for four years now, so I could use that money if I wanted to, or, you know, use that income as, uh, as a job, but I, I just decide not to. Right. It's, I enjoy what I do in the military, so it's not, it's not work to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what is your job in the military? Uh, so I work in operations management, um, on the 153rd civil engineering, uh, squadron here on the guard base here in Cheyenne. And so like day to day, it's basically what I do on the outside. Like it's just property management. Um, you know, people will call around base and be like, Hey, you know, this is broken or this pipe is leaking and stuff like that. And so then I just coordinate it to the right craftsman because we have uh, state guys that work on the base. And then um, I'll, you know, shoot it to the plumbing shop and plumbing will go over there and fix the pipe or whatever. And that's kind of what I do. You know, and there's other stuff that like we get into. Um, Like my deployment was completely different. Uh, But like day to day, it's just, it's basically property management, you know, and obviously like upgrade training and stuff like that. That's really big on the military is like constantly training, which I'm sure both, you know, like being realtors and, um, mortgage lenders like you guys constantly have to do some mm-hmm. type of training like mm-hmm. every year so that's a big thing yeah. too that's right so you're like you're a busy guy so how do you manage like your day-to-day with your military job and your property management and how do you like go about your work-life balance making sure you stay sane doing all this work all the time well if you know me i'm not sane. <laughs> that's the issue um i don't to be honest i don't balance it that's that's been kind of a biggest issue that i've had with myself that i beat myself up a lot on is like there hasn't been any balance. Um, like when I competed in like powerlifting and weightlifting and stuff like that, like oh, yeah. there was no balance. It was just like meal, workout, meal, work, sleep. Like there was no balance mm-hmm. at all. I didn't like go out and drink alcohol. I didn't, you know, have family dinners with family and stuff like that. And so like I've tried to transition a little bit back, but I don't believe necessarily, I go back and forth. And I don't believe in balance. I think anything um, extraordinary in life, it's going to take obsession. I'm a very obsessive person. So like, when I'm working out, like I'm obsessive mm-hmm. about it. Like I'm weighing my food. I'm like counting every single rep. I'm doing that. Like if I'm doing real estate, it's like, that's all I'm going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's my issue is obsession. Um, so I've been trying to balance it. I guess really what I do is I just go to work and I do real estate and I try to find, you know, an hour. I like to vacation too. I think that's the biggest thing is like, mm-hmm. I'll work for, you know, 10 to 11 months out of the year. And then I'll take like a month out of the year to like just vacation and stuff like that. Yeah. So when I, you're when yeah. you're on vacation, how like how do you go about running everything here, and making sure all your property management, all your properties are taken care of when you're out? Um, sometimes I just cross my fingers and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, I have people here. Um, you know, I have uh, like my brother and stuff, and he helps me out a lot with the, like the management if I'm gone. Um, but the nice thing about property management, it's not like unless something crazy happens, you really it's kind of like a job where it's like you're working 24/7 and you're on call 24 seven, but you really, depending on what's going on, like you don't get contacted. And that like comes back to being a good property manager is like, which I've learned because like, trust me, like I'm still trying to become a great one. Um, it's just like making sure that your maintenance is up to date. Like, you know, when you do your walkthroughs, you know, checking every faucet, checking every garbage disposal, checking like any waterway, airway, all that, just making sure that everything's working properly. So when you are gone, you don't have to do, you know, you don't have to figure anything out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Arizona a couple of years ago and just so happened I had to have a water heater go out, you know, and so like I kind of learned like, okay, well I have, I have my guy on call kind of, you know, for plumbing and stuff like that. So he was able to get over there in like less than 24 hours, get the water heater out and it's kind of during summertime, so it wasn't too crazy. Um, but it is hard, you know, yeah. it's constantly like 
you wish you could shut your phone off because you're on vacation, but right. you're on call. Right. And I agree with you. I don't think, personally, that balance is, like, a real thing. I don't think that's, like, a... Mm-hmm. I don't understand where that came from. I think it's nice in theory to have balance. You know, like, in our heads, it's, like, nice to think about that. But I agree. I'm an also an obsessive person, um, probably to a fault. But I don't think balance, like, that's probably a myth people should get out of their heads. If you want to be successful... Um, there's no balance. Yeah. That's gonna be and we problem, talk but. about this a lot, too. It's like when you're all in somewhere, something else has to give. You know, it's like a push-pull game. You're pushing somewhere yeah. else, so you're pulling from a different part of your life, no matter what you do. Yeah. You know, it's a, you got to give somewhere in order to have all your attention on something else. Yeah. And I think one thing, too, people, like, especially now with, like, podcasts and all these self-help books of, like, morning routines from all these successful people... One thing I think it's important to note is, like, these people that are worth, like, millions and have, like, successful businesses that are probably, like, in their 40s, 50s, 60s plus now for the most part, they don't always talk about what their lives were like in their 20s of, like, waking up at 3 a.m., working until 9 p.m., you don't see your family, you're not sleeping well. Like, uh, there's a lot, and that's all seasonal in life, too. So I think it's important to note that sometimes when you're in it, you have to be in it. Like, that's the price you pay. Mm-hmm. It's unavoidable to get to the next level. But I don't know. But I think it's like when we hear about these three-hour morning routines and stuff, which is nice, but I'm like, but what were you doing before the three-hour morning routine that you have the privilege to do now? Right. So. Yeah, I listened to that kind of a uh, similar thing, like, on another um, podcast. And it's like you have, like, these four pillars in life, and it's going to be, like, your business your relationship, um, like your family and then like your personal life. Mm-hmm. And like there, there is not really a point in time where all four of those legs are like getting the same, right. like the same attention. Like if you give, you know, a lot of your attention to your business and then like your relationship, you know, or your family and all those things, they're getting like the back end of it. And there's never, it's really, if you want to be great at something, you're gonna have to be like almost apart like the rest. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard issue because, that, that creates issues within, you know, relationships and friendships and stuff like that. I've lost a lot of friends, like, over the years just because I'm not there to show up mm-hmm. to go to the bar. Like, mm-hmm. that's not my thing. And, um, you know, I've missed a lot of family dinners, and and I've also grown distant with myself, too. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the issue where we start talking about balance and then being successful at something like that. And, and I think that, like, there's a stigma where things have to be balanced in order to be successful, but I think you have to be successful and then find the balance, whether it's, you know, it's not a complete 50-50 balance, but maybe mm-hmm. it's a 70-30 balance, but as long right. as you're at least devoting some percentage of it to something instead of just 100% all in, which mm-hmm. it, it gets re- it gets become a gray area. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Just like in relationships, it's never 50-50. It's always like 80-20, 90-10, like 30 Like it's yeah. always, every day is so different. Too. Oh, yeah. So, um, so now, Hunter, with, your 12 units and your cash flowing rentals and you have a stable job in the military and you have a girlfriend and you're living in Cheyenne and you're 20, almost 24. What do you see like in the next five years? What does your future look like to you? I I think a big thing is just, um, I would want to say like growing the real estate and stuff like that, but I think it's at a point right now, um, where I'm content with it and there's other things to be focusing on. Like, you know, the whole reason why I do what I do is because at some point in time I want to have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important to me because 
at the end of the day, like I don't need, like I don't need the nice things. I don't need uh, like these extraordinary things in my life. Um, the military has been really great at teaching me. Like here's an MRE and here's a tent and a cot. Like you're good to go. So the big reason why I do all these things is like, yeah, of course, uh, it's a security thing uh, to make sure that like people can be taken care of in my family. But it's also to give like my kids um, and my family and like my wife the things that like my mom or uh, I wasn't given. Um, so I think family is definitely coming up, mm-hmm. um, whether that's now or that's in five years. I think growing my military career is also important because uh, I love what I do. I have an opportunity um, to have an extremely great career. I've already started out. I would say a pretty good career, um, and so, you know, I'm going to try to shoot to put on Master Sergeant, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out, I think I think I can probably do it in five years uh, from now, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it just coming uh, first circle, full circle with me, and like, understanding who I am, and just kind of going about it that way, and then like, you know, as real estate deals come up, um, mm-hmm. that's just not quite the primary focus, because now I'm learning, like, there's always something to do, like, mm-hmm. There hasn't been a day, like, even though, like, I'm not buying new stuff, like, there's just always something that I'm doing. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. If you're not living, you're dying, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, what would you say to someone, um, like, thinking back on your life and where you are today, what's one thing that you wish you could tell someone or wish you could tell your younger self that you know now? Uh, I mean, shoot, I could probably tell my younger self quite a few things. I think the biggest thing is probably, like, let that curiosity um, take you places, but don't let it ruin your life. I got curious into, like, drinking and Mm -hmm. doing, you know, drugs and stuff like that, and then that started to overcome. But then Mm -hmm. I got curious into, like, real estate and stuff like that, and then that started to take off. So I think whatever you're curious about, experience it, you know, whether it's good or bad. You know, at some point in time, you're going to have to experience those bad habits, like, I experienced, you know, drinking and all that and partying on that as a bad habit. Now I'm experiencing it in a good way. Um, so I think just like, like, let that be that. And if it's good, then like, let that continue. But like, once you get that curiosity out, don't try to like, let that trickle into like your adulthood life. And then just like, understand that, um, that's going to take time. Like it's taken now it's been, I think I've like a five year mark on my first mortgage I've had. And Mm -hmm. it's like crazy to think that all this has happened in five years when I first started out, I was like, okay, I'm going to get like one house a year. And then, you know, now it's like, holy cow, it's like a couple of year. Yeah. I think last year I ended up doing three uh, in a year time frame. And um, yeah, it's going to take time and it's going to take work and it's, it's going to take a lot of sacrifice too. I think a lot of relationships uh, that I've had have been sacrificed because of, of where I'm at now and, mm-hmm. and choosing to do this over going and doing other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all all sacrifice yeah we talk about it a lot too how you mentioned it takes time like one of our favorite things to talk about is like planting seeds like everything you're doing now is planting seeds for things you're going to do in five years and it's crazy to look back five years i mean from today Mm -hmm. and think wow maybe like all those things i did then is shaping where i am now and Mm -hmm. it's just really cool to think about it when you look back and reflect it's pretty cool yeah and we're all going to be so different five years from now it's crazy when i think i was 23 like such a different person than I was 23 but that was only five years ago yeah it's so. scary though I mean yeah, it's like really scary like I mean everything's all nice and dandy now and then mm-hmm. like you know in five years like that's the other scary thing is you don't know what the future holds um you know there's a lot of things that come apart when we get older and, and situations change and it's 
it's a scary thing. So it's enjoyable to look back five years, but then when you start to look forward to five years, mm-hmm. it's it's like almost like ugh, like I just want to maybe look into tomorrow and then call I know, it. right? And you have to. You take it one day at a time. But everything you're doing today will translate to your future, which is cool because you have control of it, mm-hmm. but not everything. Yeah, that's my biggest problem. I think I've also had is like. I'm so far into the future, like, when I was 20, I was thinking about, like, what I was doing in 30, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to have, mm-hmm. like, this is how much I want to have real estate, like, this is what, I, all these different things, and, like, um, I've now, like, learned, you know, during my current relationship now is, like, she's taught me, like, just kind of slow down and smell the mm-hmm. roses a little bit like that, and I'm still having an issue with it, because it's, like, I'm so far in, in advance, like, it's so hard to just be kind of in the moment sometimes, because mm-hmm. you're just, like, always thinking about, like, the future. Right. Yep. It's hard. Yeah, I always try to remind myself, be where your feet are. That's one of my favorite sayings. That's right. Because it's hard. It really is hard, especially, like, when, since having Ella, like, you are, a lot of times you're thinking about them and their future Mm -hmm. and what you can do for them, and am I doing enough now that's going to give them the best future? You know, it's it's a cycle. It really is. One day at a time. I tell myself, I'll even say it out loud sometimes, and I'm like, one one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. One thing at a time. Yeah. You get through it. Yeah, so. I think I I probably have some type of ADHD because I'm like always thinking about like a hundred different things at once and like I'm I start doing person. one thing and then like start doing the next thing and then like doing this thing. Um, yeah. And then like sometimes I'll forget like if I got to go somewhere I'll forget what I have to get. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. I go to the store and like I'm there and I'm like. Oh yeah. I'm forgetting what I'm doing just because like it's not you're not doing that one thing at a time you're not doing that one day at a moment and so like it it takes a toll on you sometimes. One hundred percent. Your mind is somewhere else. Yeah. Yep. yep. Well. I think that's all we wanted to just kind of see, like, about your um, life of how you've incorporated real estate and your choice to be in the military. And do you have any other questions? No, I don't have any questions, but thanks for coming on and being open and honest with us. I think anybody listening will take a lot from this, especially one of our favorite things about this podcast is, like, we're hoping people younger will listen to this and, you know, learn things from when you were younger, when we were mm-hmm. younger, and be able to maybe apply that to their life and yeah. shape, maybe just get in things a little bit younger like we wish we could have. So yeah. We're yeah. all learning from each other at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you guys, uh, I'm not even like a mother or anything like that, but I've been like listening to like some of your guys' mother episodes of like, oh, yeah. like I'm learning things that like I'm my mother like, I'm still learning things, that, like, stuff that y'all go through, and so, like, I think that's why I love this podcast is because it's, like, I think it's good for both audiences. I think a lot of podcasts are just directed towards one audience, but, like, years, like, you guys have, like, a big audience, like, mothers, fathers, you know, younger teens, mm-hmm. you know, younger adults and stuff like that, mm-hmm. so I love it. Yeah, we oh, want to talk you, to yeah. everybody. So, thank you, Hunter, for yeah. coming on. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, guys.